My great-grandfather Jesse Strange was born a slave and freed in his 20s. His 12 children were born free and referred to as the first freeborn generation. In this podcast series, I interview Jesse Strange's descendants in order to document our stories. This is Strange Family Folklore. Cousin Gwen Strange, daughter of Joe and Margaret Ann Strange, shares stories about the wisdom of her grandfather, Jesse Strange, second child of great-grandfather Jesse Strange, and his second wife, Lucy Strange. Part of my process here, I want to document the first generation of freeborn Stranges, the children of great-grandfather Jesse Strange. Yes. Actually, your grandfather is also named Jesse Strange. It's just spelled differently. Yes, we had some different versions of the way he spelled his name. (laughs) Great-grandfather Jesse spelled his name J-E-S-S-E, whereas Gwen's grandfather Jesse, my great-uncle, spelled his name J-E-S-S-I-E. Can you introduce yourself going through the family tree before we start talking about your grandfather, Jesse? My grandfather was Jesse William Strange. I think he was the second child. He was married to Mary T. Strange. I am the daughter of his baby son, which is a twin, to Barbara Jean Strange. I am his daughter. Okay, and your father is Joe Strange, right? Yeah. Cousin Gwen's father, Joe, and her aunt, Barbara Jean, are twins and the youngest two of 13 children. To start off with, tell us some of your favorite stories about your grandfather. The favorite story about my grandfather, which we live together. I was told that I would get up under the table to clip his toenails. So as I got older, I was experimenting on doing hair. So I dyed grandpa's hair one day and it turned green. (laughs) So that's one of my favorite stories. I used to drive him around when I got a teenager. I used to pay his taxes, take him to Keystone Richardson. Grandpa would always go to the front of the store and they would hand him a bag. And I'm like, hmm, why are they getting him a bag? But I didn't know that Grandpa would always go back to the beer counter and get his beer. I would fuss. I said, Grandpa, why are you paying all this money extra for this food when the grocery store have the food? And he would say, girl, you got to always keep an account and keep in good standing. Back there then, I guess, when they were sharecroppers, they would go and they would put things on what they call, put it on time, put it on the book. So every month when he got his check, if, if I or either my cousin Sherman, he would take him around to. Sherman Adams is the son of Clyde and Lucille Strange Adams. Aunt Lucille, a.k.a. Aunt Seal, is the sixth child of Gwen's grandpa, Jesse. When he got paid, would take him to Keystone Richardson. He was in a routine with what he did. So me and grandpa got in a little argument debate, which they say I'm good at it. I guess I took that out for my Aunt Gladys because my Aunt Gladys, they say, will keep grandpa straight too. Aunt Gladys is the fifth child of Gwen's grandpa, Jesse. I said, grandpa, this don't make any sense that you go in here paying these high prices when you can 
just go to the grocery store and it's much cheaper. But I didn't understand that at that time that this was his account, that when they didn't have money on hand, they could charge it and they could pay up when they got that Social Security check at the first of the month. I always remember Grandpa saying, don't talk so much, listen sometimes. He would always sit up under the tree and he would have a cane. He would be talking to himself, but he would be beating that cane. He would say, sometimes it's just better to talk to yourself and just meditate and just listen. You got two ears and one mouth. He would say, that way you don't always get in trouble. Just be quiet and listen sometimes. I said, okay. One thing to this day that I do believe in that my grandpa taught me is your word is your bond. I have a problem when people tell me something and I put some dependence in it and then they go back on it because my motto is your word is your bond. So he did teach me that. That will always stay with me. Because that way, people will have more confidence in you and you won't be all over the place with saying this and doing that because your word is your bond. I remember when he would tell us stories like, girl, I was so good with a gun, I could shoot a gnat on a tree. I believe grandpa telling some little fibs because you can't even see a gnat. My granddad, he only had one eye. I'm like, now how can grandpa say he can shoot a gnat off a tree when he only had one eye? But that was some of the stuff he would tell, too. He would always keep his little nip. You know what the little nip is. Talking about moonshine? Moonshine, moonshine. My dad was one of the moonshine runners. I could always hear stories about the moonshine. Of course, my dad was a moonshine hustler, too, because he had a little joint. So a lot of that stuff originated from the older people that had these little juke joints. I don't know if grandpa had one, but I know my dad had one. His brother Thayle had one. Walter Thel Strange was the 11th child of Gwen's grandpa, Jesse. I hope I'm not telling on people. Well, they can't get arrested anyway now. (laughs) So the older people would, like if we took a trip, they would have that little nip under the seat. They reach under the seat. My daddy used to like to travel. They always believed in that little nip and giving us cot liver oil. Grandpa and grandma would line us up because my grandma Mary, all of us lived together when I was little. They would line us up and give us cot liver oil. And grandma and grandpa always talked about going down to the branch at the old place, getting calamar root. And uh, they lived off the land. Calamar root is also known as calamus root. I remember when I had my first child, we had peppermint planted beside the house. I think Grandma Mary had planted it. I was told that you boil that and you drain off the peppermint and you give it to the baby. So it was little things like that that I really learned from my grandma and my grandpa. Of course, my grandma Mary, she learned me how to make bread. Grandpa was so stingy. Let me tell you another story about grandpa. Grandpa was so tight with money that grandma was going to Washington. He thought that he gave her $5, but it was 50. And she was so shocked. Jesse gave me $50. I can't believe it. But he didn't know he had gave her $50. He thought he had gave her five. And they said, don't tell him, mama. Don't tell him. Just keep it and go on. So he was a little tight with his money. But as I look back, grandpa always had money in that wallet. 
I don't know if it was 10s, 20s, 5s, or 1s, but that little wallet was fat. So I always thought my granddaddy was rich. He was a kind of a quiet, humble, spirited man. Help me with something, Gwen, because you say at one point he explained that he shopped at this grocery store because he was a sharecropper, but then he always had a pocket full of money. Those two things don't normally go together. You know what? To, To think about it, I don't know when I, at the time I got a teenager, he always had money. It appeared to me it was a lot, but still, even though he had the money in his wallet, he wanted to keep that account. You could not get him away from getting that account at that store. I don't know if it was because he would go in and get his little beer and keep it secretly because they would put it in the bag and get it. But I wouldn't sometimes know it. Like that good customer service, because they don't do that at a regular grocery store. No, 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 no. Keister Richardson was more like a little mom and pop store. But once the grocery stores came, those prices are much higher than the grocery store. Grandpa had some money in their wallet. Now, as what we would think what money is today, back there then, because I was born in 1958, so it was around about 70 four or five when I started driving. Back there the end, if you had a hundred dollars, it was money. Take a hundred dollars now, Gwen. <laughs> oh yes. So I would always wonder why grandpa just can't pay for the stuff. He got the money, but he would always pay off that debt and charge another. One. I just didn't get it. Grandpa, why don't you just go pay for it and we wouldn't have to come back here. But no. That was his routine, monthly routine. He didn't stop until maybe he got a little older where he didn't get around as much. But Grandpa also had this truck. When Sherman would drive the truck, when Grandpa stopped driving, it was this green Dodge. We would paint that truck, spray paint it green and black. We had a brand new truck every year, looked like. They would spray paint that truck. So I remember that truck. Then one day... It was me, Phoebe, Sharita, all of us like to go to this little place called Blue Creek. Mary Phoebe Wheeler is the daughter of Ernest and Marion Strange Wheeler. Sharita is the daughter of Plez and Catherine Strange Wilson. Marion and Catherine are the third and eighth children, respectively, of Gwen's Grandpa Jesse. We wanted to get to Blue Creek so bad, we said, we can go on Grandpa's truck. (laughs) So those were the good old days. That family really stuck together. You keep calling it Sherman, but it's Shorty you're talking about, right? It's Shorty. It was years before I realized that was the same person. Really? Yeah, because I didn't grow up around Cascade. (laughs) I don't know why they call him Shorty, because he's not that short. Well, not anymore, no. (laughs) He was one of Grandpa's right-hand men. Me and him would take him around. But that truck, it stayed in the family for a long time. We would go to the burial field on that truck, you know, the old home place. We would go pick strawberries and we would be on the back of the truck. Oh, let me correct myself. Not strawberries, blackberries, dewberries or blackberries. I always thought they the same, but they say they're different. But I remember the old home place because of that. We would go down that little long road off of 58. We would go to the end and we could see where the big house was. And then we would go pick strawberries toward the left of that. I don't call ever living on that home place. 
I think grandpa and grandma were the last ones that lived down in that area. Now, are you talking about Mobley Creek? Yeah, Mobley Creek. That's what they called it, Mobley Creek. I think the last time we went to Mobley Creek, it has probably been over 20 years. I remember one reunion that we all went down and they had to cut away for us to get through. We went and we cleaned off the cemetery. It was so overgrown, you couldn't just drive on the road? Well, because after Uncle Percy and Thale stopped farming there, it wasn't a lot of in and out. Uncle Percy Strange was the fourth child of Gwen's grandpa, Jesse. So once it grew up that year. It was during the reunion. It might have been the day after the reunion. I think Herbert, they went down or fell and they cut where we could get through. Herbert Strange is the fourth child of Beatrice and Floyd Strange. Floyd was the younger brother of Gwen's Grandpa Jesse. It was right many of us. I think Theodore went. Jean, I think she might have gone. Theodore Strange Jr. is the son of Anna and Theodore Strange Sr. Theodore Sr. was the younger brother of Gwen's Grandpa Jesse. We clean off some of the cemetery over there, the graveyard. We also walked over to the creek. It's a creek bank. And that's where Grandma used to go get the, the roots, calamar root. We had that for stomach ache. Some other root, they would put bootleg in and give us for coat. Now, when Cousin Gwen says bootleg, I believe she's talking about moonshine. But that branch, you can cross over and go to Aunt Mabel and Uncle Percy's house. Annie Mabel Strange Adams was the second child of Gwen's Grandpa Jesse. So that's the last time that I remember that we went there. But I was told from my Aunt Jean that she left from over there and came up here and lived with, uh, I don't know if it was my Aunt Lucille or Catherine or who, but she came here and went to school. I think my dad was still over there, so... That was during the time that they had to walk a long ways to get out of there to go to school. So your Aunt Jean went so to Cascade? I, just, I think she did come up here and go to school in Cascade. I don't know if my dad did, though. But I talked to her, and she told me that she came up here and lived with. It was either my Aunt Kat or my Aunt Lucille. Don't quote me, but it was one of the two. I think and, you're right. Do you so, know but what I used- you're... Grandpa Jesse did for a living, like throughout his lifetime? Because I've never heard that any of us were sharecroppers. I know that we worked tobacco and in the factories well, and also okay. the military. Well, maybe, okay, well, maybe I need to correct myself. Mm-hmm. They raised tobacco, so the sharecroppers would be someone living on someone else's land. I'm glad you corrected me. I don't know if he was labeled a sharecropper. But I don't recall Grandpa ever working in a mill anyway. Grandpa was famous for talking to fire out of people, too. He would have people come down where we lived, beside you know, where Thale lived. That was the home house after he moved from Mobley Creek. People from different places would come for Grandpa to talk to fire out of them. Can you explain um, that for anyone? I've heard the term before, but if anybody has not. I think it's something that you basically gifted with. I haven't recalled if it was passed on to him from someone else. I know I had a friend that got burnt. He talked and basically you don't know what he's doing. He's just sitting there like carrying on conversation, might be rubbing the place, just talking to him. He passed it on to Ale. I think we talked about that in the book. I remember when George's daughter got burnt, Barbara, 
Georgia Wheeler Mulholland is the daughter of Ernest Wheeler and Marion Strange Wheeler. I think she had maybe second to third degree burns. They were saying that it seems like she got better when Grandpa, I think it was even through a call, because I don't remember him going, but he talked to fire over her. So that was what he was known for, talking to fire to people. In addition to other talent, like raising tobacco. Did you ever work in the tobacco fields with your grandpa, Jesse, or was he still doing that when you were a child? I don't remember working in tobacco with grandpa, but I did help Thail and Uncle Percy. I used to help several other people. I liked it. I just didn't like the worms. My dad, I think he tried to do it one year. It was maybe one or two acres. It wasn't enough to live off because <laughs> he worked in the mill. But Thail and Uncle Percy were big time farmers. I would love to help them in tobacco. Other than running from the worms. Other than that, I loved it. They would look at me like, girl, you crazy. Uncle Percy had like 16 kids. And me and his daughter, Annie, was real close. I thought it was amazing once they sold tobacco and she would come home and say, well, we got to go school shop. Maybe he would give them $50 or $100. And I'm like, what? But to them, I was crazy because that was some hard work. But I guess because I didn't have to do it all the time, it was like I wanted to do it because for one thing, I wanted to drive the tractor. Oh, there it is. I was also wondering, I've never worked tobacco either. And from what I hear, I don't want to. (laughs) But you like being out in the field. I think I was more like a little tomboy at one point. When you grow up and you're all alone, because I was the only child. And I always loved being around older people. I just wanted to do something. And I thought it was just good to do. I'm glad I had some work ethics. I would go help people. I had a job then. I just thought it was making some extra money. I'll never forget this time. My mom, would, we would load up on the truck at about 6 o'clock in the morning. We would go to Rough and they help these people in Rough. They would pay you like 5 $6 an hour. My daddy was a hustler. He would take people over there and we were working tobacco. One day, me and my mom was over there working in tobacco. I had a handful of tobacco, and they hollered snake. And I threw all that tobacco. My mama come running across the field, and I'm running behind her. So other than fighting it, looking for the snakes and me being afraid of the worms, I loved it. And then over tobacco, you got all this black gum on your hand. And let me tell you what else we used to do. We used to get, do you know what pork salad is? Oh, yes. Poke salad, a.k.a. pokeweed, is a toxic plant if eaten raw or a nutrition-dense green if cooked properly. So we, as kids, used to go behind where Aunt Seal and Aunt Kat's house and we would pull the poke salad. We would fix us a little tobacco thing and we would be imitating like we working in tobacco. (laughs) And we'd be stringing tobacco, learning how to string tobacco. It was just fun. Today's times, all kids do is sit in the house. We had things to do outside. We had fun. We ran outside, played. We built playhouses. We even had catalog playhouses, dollhouses. We didn't even know what the word board was. We would play ball. They had a ball field beside my dad's house. Uh, Logtown and Blue Creek would come and play ball. Times baseball? Baseball. 
They would play football in that field. I call it killer ball because they didn't have no helmets. They just ran and tackled each other. That's when kids were tough. Sometimes my dad would sell fish sandwiches and ham sandwiches under that big old tree. We would just sit and enjoy and relax. I remember when we used to have the family reunions before we built the Strange Park Pavilion. Strange Park Pavilion, which we family members also call the shelter, has been the site of many generations of strange family reunions. It would be behind my Aunt Seal's house. That's when they would bring the boxes of food out. Kind of like when the homecomings at church, they would bring out boxes of food. So it's things like that that has changed over the years. But Tobacco was fun to me. Sound like somebody who didn't work in tobacco often. You said you just did it for extra money. What, as a teenager or a young woman, what were you mostly working as? Well, before I got a job, I wanted to just be with my cousins because I didn't have anybody. I did like tobacco. I thought I did. But as my other cousins say, I liked it because I didn't have to do a lot of it all the time. So anytime I got the opportunity to do it, I did it. I was working in Fieldcrest Mill. I started spray cotton mill in the 11th grade full time. I still would get up some mornings and go help pull tobacco. I wanted to make extra money. Then in the 12th grade, I got a job in Fieldcrest Mill full time. So it's that I didn't have to do it. I wanted to do it. More money and to hang out with your cousin. Yes. Something that people don't know unless they were an only child. You get lonely sometimes. I would always want to be with my Aunt Kat's kids because they always said I look like her and I act like her. So I could fit in with just being hers. But it was just loneliness. You, Carla and Renee, you got childhood stories to tell because you were together coming up as a child. Well, I didn't get a brother until I was 14. So I practically took care of him because I love kids. So I just took to him as the motherly type, really. Bobby Strange, and he was adopted when he was four weeks old. I always knew Cousin Bobby by his middle name, Lynn. Just like he was mine. So when I had mine, he was jealous of him. I think my oldest son, they say, when he was about five or six years old, he was so jealous of him, he put him in the trunk. <gasps> oh, so it was kind of fun. He's still living. He's He just turned 50 and I'm 64. People always say, girl, you had that made you was the only child. I was like, if you only knew. Grass I'd rather always ha- greener. Right, right. Well, you get everything. Well, not with my dad. One thing about my dad, he did not get me everything I wanted. He was more of a need person. My grandma, Tootie, which is my mama's mother, because my mama's name is Margaret Martin, strange. She bought me everything because I was the oldest grandchild. But my dad, I got what I needed. But my brother, he got what he needed and wanted. They always blame the youngest and being the spoiled ones. I don't regret because my daddy taught me responsibility. My daddy taught me a lot as far as being responsible because he didn't play. Everybody thought I had my way as far as getting everything. No, I paid bills. I really appreciated that because children today need to know responsibility. As far as my brother, I don't think he taught him that because he let him have his way. But I really appreciate that he didn't take me in that direction. Because you were the oldest. Yeah, I was the oldest. My dad loved to travel. He would 
put me in the car in the front seat, read the signs, read the signs. So that's why I don't have a problem traveling by myself if I have to, because my dad instilled that in me. What I can't get over is how your cousins let you drive the tractor. That seems like the sweet job. (laughs) How did you beat them out on driving the tractor? Now, I say I wanted to drive the tractor. I don't mean I drove the tractor all the time. When I went to help the people in roughing sometime, whoever got to the road was close to the tractor, they would let them move it up sometimes. So, of course, me, every chance I get, I jump in that seat. Because I was determined I was going to learn how to drive everything. When I learned how to drive a stick shift, my daddy had a stick shift truck. I was determined. They call it straight gear on the car. I learned how to drive that. I was just, you might well say, tomboyish. I wanted to climb trees. <laughs> I remember me and my cousin, Perry, we couldn't get along sometimes, so we would fight. <laughs> oh, we were you, were, fight, you were fighting you know? with your male cousin. Yeah, I would fight Perry. Harry Adams is the son of Clyde and Seal Adams. We be fussing, dear me and Perry be fighting sometimes. But we love each other. When you're a child by yourself, you ain't got nobody to fight for you. So you got to fight. You got to, what you say, is they say, fend yourself. Y'all got sisters and brothers. I have to, as they say, fend yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I never got into any physical (laughs) fights with my sisters. It was always arguments. I was lucky. They be saying, girl, you better be glad you didn't have no sisters and brothers. I'm like, no, no. I wish I did have. My brother, even though he's adopted, I love him just like he was my blood brother. But, because he is. It's not who had you, it's who raised you a lot of times. And I have three children. One is 43, one is 39, and one is 38. The oldest one, his name is DeAndre Laron, and he is retired military for 20 years. He lives in Fayetteville. My second one is Quentin. He lives with my uncle. He works at Goodyear. My daughter is 38. Her name is Latoya Strange Woods, and she lives in Louisiana. She's in the military for about five years, and she works at a urgent care. She's an x-ray technician. And I have nine grandchildren. Woo! Wow. That's why there's nearly a thousand of us descendants of Jesse Strange. Right. And my husband is Lawrence Strange. So I'm Strange Strange. (laughs) (laughs) Strange squared. Yeah, square. Gwen, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. And anytime you have more stories to share, just reach out. Let me know. Okay. And I appreciate that you thought about me. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. You're welcome. (laughs) Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.